Welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Justin Box. So good. So hoping and praying that you have been aware of the journey uh, that we've been on this year. Regardless of what it looks like or feels like, we've definitely been on a journey. Whether we've done everything, <laughs> we have done, we haven't done everything right. There's been moments of, oh, bummer. There's been moments of, oh, no. In the midst of the chaos of planning and preparing and pouring our hearts out, there's been moments of letting people down. There's been moments of dropping the ball, but there's this consistency of Jesus moving and touching and bringing to life things that are in our heart. He's, he's pulling out things that have been in this church's life. He's highlighting things, things that were highlighted long ago. He's re-highlighting and re-energizing and bringing things up. And he's honoring the past and mixing it with the future and everything that we are. There's a collaboration with what Pastor Mike and Julie laid down and then pushing us forward into the role. And we're really excited about it. And, and I'm not going to recap because I trust that you guys are stewarding your life and uh, the church that you call home. So I'm not going to do a lot of recapping, but two weeks ago I felt like the Lord wanted to give us a motivation upgrade. And we began talking about motivation and what motivates us and all those things. And everyone, most people here will be fully aware of it. You heard the messages and it was great. And there was, the, the feedback was amazing. It was a different kind of message, but the feedback's been phenomenal over the past two weeks, three weeks that I've been sharing what is your why. Because the motivation gets you going, but it doesn't matter how talented or gifted you are, discipline and hard work are important, and the key is consistency, but motivation gets you going. And we spoke about how this, this whole deal of motivation, it's not the foundation point, it's not the starting point, there's another layer and there's another foundation, and that is the why of your life. It's the route you going. Does that make sense? purpose, why you exist fuels motivation and motivation gets you going. Does that make sense? So we looked at our why and we looked at why we exist and we talked about there's a thousand whys to your life of why you do things. And because there's a thousand whys every day, shower, toilet, food, kids and life, because of those thousand whys, often they distract us and we miss out on the big why. And I propose that for us to discover our personal why, because make no mistake, we have a personal why, that there is a God why, a large why, a massive why. And we find and found that in the life of Jesus. When he said, when he was offered a tasty meal by his disciples, he said, hey guys, my food is to do the will of my father who sent me. We saw it in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said three times, Father, let this cup pass me by. Paraphrase, I'm sweating blood. I don't want to do it. I've laid down my divinity so I feel pain. I feel what the other people will feel. I've become the son of man so that I could demonstrate what a life in fellowship with the Holy Spirit could look like. Let it pass me by, but not my will be done, but your will be done. Countless times throughout the Bible, Jesus said, 
I've come to do the will of the Father. For this reason, I've been sent. And I suggested and announced that for us to discover our personal why, which is in existence, because he purposed you to understand it and step into knowing why you were born, so you can come fully alive, not partially, and partial's awesome, but to step into fully knowing why you're on the planet is really important. And I said that if we want to discover that, then we've got to discover this God why, this, this large why, which was found in the life of Jesus. And he said, my fuel, my food, my purpose, my reason is to do the will of the Father. So his will, the Father's will, was the why of Jesus. Let's just look at those scriptures again, John 6, 38. For I've come down from heaven, for I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. I love it. Let's read that verse again, John 4, the next one. John 4, verse 31 to 35. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Similar to the, the, the Samaritan, the woman at the well. Hey, I've got water that you don't know anything about. I love it. Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. Uh, they are ripe for harvest. Luke 22, 42, so you can see the scriptural context, context of this morning. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And, and a verse that's marked me personally and is um, beginning to mark this church is Matthew 6.10. It might be in there, Josh. If not, that's fine. Because it's part of the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray when they were asking about prayer. And he said, pray like this. My fa- our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, hallowed, sanctified, set apart be your name, set apart be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amazing. So the remaining time that we've got, I want to talk about the will of God. It's a massive subject. It's enormous. And I think I said to Hill and Al, I think I'm going to teach for the first time this year. So that's exciting. We've been doing a lot of culture and foundational stuff and vision, which is important. So uh, I ask Holy Spirit, let's just position our, ourselves now. We ask Holy Spirit, like Paul prayed, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Yeah, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Yeah, that you would go aisle to aisle, seat to seat, that you'd shout and whisper, that you'd encourage, that you would impart courage, that you would counsel us, Holy Spirit, 
that you would encourage us, Holy Spirit. Yeah, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, we say, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So the will of God is this, this, this word that we know. We've been taught it from when we were around. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that whole verse has been confusing at times. But the word will is something that's very, I feel personally, it's been something that, what is it? Is it? It's this mysterious God word. It's this thing that's distant. It's this thing that's out there. It, it feels unattainable. And we, we, we say things like, is it the will of God? And it's, that's fine to say. We say things like, what is the will of God? We say things like, hey, I just want to be in his will. We've said it, we say it, and it's great to say that. And then we step it up a notch, and not only do we want to be in his will, but we, because we don't want to miss out, we don't want to, we don't want to miss it, we actually tweak the statement, and we say, not only do I want to be in his will, but I want to be in the center of his will. I just want to be in the center of his will. So if perhaps they say that, or perhaps I've said it, because if you trip over, at least you don't fall off the edge, but you're still in the will. Because I want to be in his will. I don't want to be outside of his will. So if I can be in the center, though I stumble or fall, I'm still in the will. And we make it this, it's a mysterious thing. It's a big God Christian word. And don't we as Christians love big words that we don't understand? And there's there's great intent and there's great heart behind it. I want to be in his will. I want to be in the center of his will. What is the will of God for my life? But what happens is that those statements produce an outcome. Our belief system produces Uh, It demands a what. It demands a response. And our responses, our decisions, actions and choices and conversations, which is if it's your will. And we slowly, with each statement, we distance ourselves from who he is. We say, if it's your will, and we take another step back. And we say, if it's your will, and we're creating a chasm that wasn't meant to be there because we're saying we can't know. So then we create this big thing and it stirs this large pot called, I wonder what the will of God is. And we continue to stir it and we hear people say things and we have experiences that back it up. And then we have this big thing and we say, I don't know. Well, this morning, church, I just want to chat about it as a foundational piece to the puzzle of what we're about and what I feel like the Lord's about in these last days, regardless of how that plays out and what that looks like. So we ask, what is the will of God for my life? And then we, 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 we move on and we say, I just want to be in the will. Of God, then we upgrade it to I want to be in the center of His will, and then our prayers, our prayers begin with if it's Your will. Let's take a look at the Greek word for will. Is that okay? The Greek word for will is Thelma, not Thelma and Louise. 
from the word fellow, philo, and generally speaks of the result of what one has decided. That's cool, great. In its most basic form, Thelma refers to a wish, a strong desire, and the willing of some event. So that's good. The result which one has decided and the willing of some event or events. This word has both an objective meaning, meaning what one wishes to happen or what is willed. So it's a strong, this is going to happen. But it also has a subjective connotation, the act of willing or desiring. The word conveys the idea of desire and even one's heart desire. For the word primarily expresses emotion instead of this is going to happen. Thus, God's will is not so much God's intention as it is his heart desire. We can go full out here and say the only thing the word means is desire. Or we can go all the way out here and we can say the will of God is decision, case closed, locked in, pre-planned, organised, it's a done deal, no room to move. But we have to understand the context of the word, the translation, and what it actually means. And, and the commentaries around it and the Greek translation around it is that the will of God means both decision and desire. Decision and desire. From my personal experience, the way that we myself and believers have interpreted the word will has been, for the majority, one-sided. And when it's one-sided in this is going to happen and there's no room to move, we pray the prayer if it's your will. And we get stuck into, if it's your will, I have no say in it, I'm not pulled into the, into the story, and, and whatever you do, whatever you say, that's what's happening and there's no other room to move. And there's no desire, there's no emotion, there's no heart cry, there's no, there's no heart desire. Does that make sense, church? What I'm not saying is that God doesn't make decisions without consulting us. Absolutely. And we can see this in creation. We can see this each day through creation. He created out of his capacity, the Trinity created each day, day in, day out. They created. They did not consult you. They did not consult you about creating man. The grand scheme of life and people with the, with the creator of all, the almighty God, the one that, that, that made everything. They did not consult you in the creation process, yet they still had you in mind. Because before the earth was formed, you were created. We see this in the sending of Jesus. We were not consulted. We see this in the cross and how sin and sickness were dealt with. We were not, we were not consulted. It was part of the will of God. It was a decision, part of that Greek word. It was part of that Greek word. We're making a decision here because I'm God. You're catching my drift. The ascension, we weren't consulted. We weren't 
spoken about. We weren't asked if it was a good idea. It was part of the will of God. The second coming, again. Eh. I'm not going into that. The end of the age and judgment, they're going to happen. They're going to happen. The new heavens and the new earth, whatever that looks like, eternity, it's part of God's will. He has willed these things to happen and it's part of the word thelema, thelma. It's part of that word. But the major problem that I've had is that when I see the word will used all throughout the New Testament, that's all I have thought about. And then it's made this large chasm of what's in between the will of God here, the, the, the Isaiah 55, my ways are far above your ways. And it's so out there and, and far-fetched and unattainable that I'm down here pondering, confused what the will of God is. And I love that this Greek translation has another part and it's heart's desire. And most commentators will say that it's really important to put that word in the context of chapters and verses to understand the meaning of what's decision and what's desire. Ephesians 1, 5-9. to He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. And the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. This verse here. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. How? Why? According to his kind intention, which he purposed in Jesus. The kind intention of his will. He made known to us the Mystery of his will according to his kind intention. God has so much in his heart. God's desire is so vast and it's written out and in detail in his word. You know, I've just been thinking about the difference between a decision like creation and then the outworking of his heart's desire. And I'm like household and with Bella. I'm like, we've got some really big things that are established like, we are going to have a home. We, Bella is going to go to school. There is going to be guidelines and boundaries in our life. They're non-negotiable. But there is going to be heart connection. I'm not making a decision. She will play basketball because it's the will of Justin and Lee. She is not playing AFLW. Well, I believe that is the will of God and the will of Justin and Lee. No offence those that play it, but I love my daughter. But can you see the picture with God and the will and the decision and then the, the other word, heart's desire. And it's similar. There's things in place. Let's not get weird that everything's up for discussion. But there's this whole other side to God that we are gradually 
It's unfolding and unraveling before our eyes. And it's the, it doesn't want a cat father that wants to communicate. It's the good father that's pulling us close. It's the good father that doesn't want a chasm between what is the will of God and you go figure it out yourself and just do what I say. It's not a good father. We're going to have conversations with Bella about what's in her heart. We're going to have great conversations. We're not just putting rules in place and saying, because I said so. That, that language isn't in our household. Why? We, we've never said, because I said so. We're, we're not saying, because I'm the parent and you're the child. No offense if you've said that. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Lee and I have discussed it. We are not using that language. That may change when both kids are wild on the bench. <laughs> but can you see my heart? We're gonna, our heart is to have a communication and connection so that she hears our heart and doesn't want to do certain things because it breaks our heart. Not because we tell her not to do it. Can you see the connection with the God decision and him willing certain things, massive big things? And that list isn't five. It's really big. But there's this whole other side to God that we've got to step into if we're going to live in presence, health, influence. If we're going to see his kingdom come and his will be done this side of heaven as much as possible. Bracket. I'm believing for as much as possible. Are you? I'm not praying, hurry up, Jesus, come back. It's a selfish prayer. Matthew 4.22 is not on the computer. But Jesus said this amazing thing. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. It is up there. I'm not sure how that happened. I must have sent it. Don't remember. Been an interesting four days. Putting this together. Matthew 4.22, for whatever is hidden, this is Jesus, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. So we're now going to go on a journey of this second part of the word, which I felt has been neglected and caused a chasm with what is the will of God. Understanding there's big things in place, but understanding that we get to be pulled close into God's heart desire, which is his will. Does that make sense? All right, let's go on for the remaining 10 or so minutes. Are you good? Amazing. Have a little sippy. John 15, 15 to 18. We know this. Vine and branches. Awesome. But this is 15 to 18. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, meaning that we were, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for, this is wild, for all things, say all things. Say it again, all things. That I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you this I command you that you love one another. 
We can pray whatever we want now, because why? Because he's made known his will. Why? Because we are no longer slaves, but we are friends. Jesus said really clearly to his disciples that you were slaves. Read Romans 6. You were slaves to sin. You were slaves to this world. You were slaves to the, to the devil. It's intense. You were slaves to self. But because of the cross and because of the landscape has changed, because of the new covenant, because of the broken body and the dripping of blood and the sacrifice and the atonement of Jesus, this new and living way has been made available and everything has changed. The the old thinking has gone. What's available is now in front of us. And Jesus said, the kingdom is now near. The kingdom is at hand, Greek. It's within reach. Why? Because you are no longer slaves, because you're friends. And what do friends do? They know what the master is doing. They are pulled close so we can know his will. And not only the things that are locked in place that cannot change, but these are the list of promises, this list of prophecies, This list of his heart desire that is expressed throughout the Bible. That he gets to go, you know what? These aren't just, this is who you are. You've got no say in it and deal with it. Put up with it. This is who you are. Liv. Olivia. Imagine doing that to Bella. You will be this. Even if I say it nicely, you will be this. You've got no choice in the matter. I'm like, no, no, he's, we're no longer slaves, we're friends. We are, yeah, it's so intense. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, cracker. This is a cracker. Passion translation. So Old Testament, yeah, let's just read it. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time. It was only a fragment at a time. We look back from Genesis to Malachi and it's, it's only a fragment. We see the prophets speaking, the kings speaking, the men of God popping up here and there. Out of the 40 kings, there was eight righteous. We, we see that. All had prophets around them. And, and we see this. We see the unveiling of the story of God. Abraham, Moses, Elisha, Elijah, the prophets, the major prophets, minor prophets. We see this. And, and Hebrews is saying that all of that was just him communicating in a fragment just in fragments at a time. Building one truth upon the other. Verse 2 of Hebrews 1. But to us, this is us, living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of his Son, the appointed heir of everything, for through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. The sun is the dazzling dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature. 
his mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sin and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. Can someone say amen to that? So Old Testament, fragments at a time, New Testament, speaking openly through the Son. What's the will of God? Of course, there's things locked in, but there's this whole other list, hundreds of things that he's pulling us in. And we get to go on a journey with him and discover who we are. What makes me come alive? There, are there, you mean there's options? Oh yeah, there's options. There's options because you're now a friend. You're now a friend with God. He communicates and he talks. This is what it means to walk with God. This is what it means to not have your thinking controlled, but free, understanding there's things locked in place. He's God, we're not, we're never gonna be God. But knowing that he's a good father. Oh man, it's so full on. Old Testament, he only spoke in fragments. New Testament, he speaks openly through the language of Jesus. My final scripture to just back up this this teaching that is pulling us close to reveal things to us that we thought we couldn't know, but we can know because Jesus changed the landscape of what it means to be a follower of God. Possibly my favorite scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 13. Okay, so... Verse 9, for most Bibles, will be in capitals. Most of you will know why. Why is that? Why would a scripture be in capitals in the New Testament? Question. Because it's an Old Testament verse. So Paul's grabbed an Old Testament verse. That's why it's in capitals in the New Testament. It's really good to know that when you're reading the Bible because there's some wild stuff that's in capitals. You go, oh, it's not part of the cross. Like, yeah, it's the, whoever's writing is making a point. So Paul's saying this, it was in capitals. It would have been nice to put it in capitals, but I didn't think of that. Okay, so Paul's saying, he goes, guys, I'm making a point here. We did a big teaching on the church in Corinth two years ago, so you know the context of that wild place. So now Paul's teaching and pastoring this wild bunch of people. And he's saying, He's quoting, but just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. That's a discouraging list of everything that we can't have. So Paul's saying, guys, this is Old Testament. Jesus rocked me on the road to Damascus. I used to murder Christians and everything changed. And now I want you to know this because it's really important. Next verse, New Testament. Some translations say, but. So they're like, great Old Testament point. Therefore, but for to us, the new covenant, new believers, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit, Holy Spirit, searches all things. Even the depths of God. Some translations say, even God's heart desires. That's the word will. So the Spirit searches all things, even God's heart desire. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit 
of the man which is in him. I don't know what Al's thinking right now. I can have a word of knowledge, a moment in time, where I can catch a glimpse of what he's spoken, like Jesus say, and Jesus knowing their thoughts said. But I can't know every sentence that he's just rattling off. That'll be confusing while I'm preaching. So for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, it's similar, even so the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Next, keep going. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And this verse here, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So much in this. (laughs) So much in this. It's God's heart that you would freely know His heart for the world, for you, and your life. It's God's heart God's heart for you is that you would freely know the will of God, which is his decisions that is locked in place that will not be altered, but also his heart desire, the things that burn on his heart. And there are many scriptures that that he talks about sanctification. He goes, this is the will of God, that you'll be sanctified. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, set apart by the will of God. I reckon that's a combination because Paul could have said no. Remember that, that word that we used to use a lot, free will? That's where this comes in, free will. We've got choices. John 10.10 10 says that I've come that you might have life. That word might's really important when it comes to a person choosing. Not every one of my friends is having life to its fullest. He came that you might have life. What's the catch of might? Believing in him. Colossians 1.9, pretty sure this will be the final scripture for today as the band could come up. That would be phenomenal. Actually, just Tash would be great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for letting James out, Tash. <laughs> and communion could be passed out if that's there. That would be awesome, guys. Thank you, Jesus. Colossians 1.9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Remember that prayer we prayed at the start? With all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So this goes from just doing a course to learning, and even to reading on a practical level. To go from just thinking the will of God is this out there mysterious thing that I can never attain, and I'm trying to work out my purpose, and does my purpose have to be in the center of his will, or is his will the center of my purpose? Oh, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) So what is it, God? And I feel like him revealing to us as a church, for us to to grab this 
for your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for us to understand our personal why of why we exist, it's wrapped up in the will of God. Jesus said, it's, my food is to do the will of God. My, my food is to discover because the doors are open and the heavens are open. My food and fuel is actually to go on a journey as a friend to discover what his will is. Translated, what is in your heart, God? What is your desire, God? I read scriptures like, he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So that verse trumps the fact that there's an elect and some have been appointed salvation and that's his will. But we go, oh, it's his desire. It's the will of God that all will be saved. Do all get saved? No. Is it his will and desire that all are saved? Yeah. After you've received communion, let's stand to our feet. We love you, Jesus. He made known to us his will according to his kind intention. Friends know what the master is doing. He now speaks openly through the language of his son. We have received his spirit so we can know so that we can know the things freely given to us. So knowing all this truth we can't have a default prayer of if it's your will. Thank you, God. Yeah, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've brought your will down to make it accessible. It doesn't mean it just unfolds in an open vision like a scroll. And you don't do it, you don't reveal these things that we can actually know the depths of your heart, the things that matter to you. You don't let us in on that to tease us. But I thank you that you actually have written out a list in your word that's so complex and long and vast that we can go on a journey to discover your heart. And you could reduce this down to let's start to spend some time with him to discover his will. Let's set aside some time that we're not distracted, that we can go on a journey of being pulled close because we're friends that we understand that we're no longer not in an old covenant, which is restrictive, 1 Corinthians 3 says. But it's, it's free and he speaks freely and openly through the language of his son. And I thank you, God, 
that when we go on a journey and discover this list of 50, 100, 200 things that are in your heart desire, which are your will, then and only then we can start to demonstrate them on earth because they're in your kingdom and we get to see that prayer in Matthew 6.10 actually play out. We've gone harder after your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But I thank you, God, that you're highlighting that we've got to come to a point of knowing his will so that we can know it and then demonstrate it to the world, which will be our next message, which is to do the will of the Father. Every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. Please. Yeah, thank you, God, that it wasn't just, Jesus didn't say my food is to know the will of the Father. But he said, my fuel, my food, my purpose is to do it. So I thank you, God, that you're going to allow us to marinate in today's message, which is to know the will of God. And next message would be to talk about doing it.